Here First is sponsored by UCS Healthcare, proudly delivering healthcare services across Iowa, specializing in mental health, substance use disorder treatment, and medical care with a special focus on LGBTQIA plus healthcare. More at ucsonline.org. It's Friday, November 4th, 2022. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Julie Englander. Former President Donald Trump endorsed Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley at his Sioux City rally last night. IPR's Kendall Crawford reports Trump energized his voter base in the heavily red part of the state just five days ahead of Election Day. Trump welcomed Grassley onto the stage, shaking his head in admiration and calling the long-term senator unbelievable. He praised him for fighting for ethanol and his role in confirming three Supreme Court justices. This is a very special man. This is a uh, a really a, a national landmark, and I don't say that easily. But America needs Chuck Grassley in the U.S. Senate. Grassley is facing his tightest race for a seat since he took office in 1981. A recent Des Moines Register poll showed him just three points ahead of his Democratic challenger, Mike Franken. Trump also took a stab at Franken, calling him weak on crime. He urged the crowd of his cheering fans to head to the polls on Tuesday to support Grassley and Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds. Democratic U.S. Senate candidate Mike Franken continues campaigning in the final days before Election Day as he attempts to unseat Republican Senator Chuck Grassley. IPR's Clay Masters has this report from his stop in Des Moines last night. Retired Navy Admiral Mike Franken made a campaign stop in Des Moines last night where he took a jab at former President Donald Trump's rally in Sioux City. We must be part of the solution. We can be part of the solution, but we must do it together. The era of what's happening in Sioux City is over. Franken talked about the importance of party over politics. Senator Grassley was at that Trump rally. Franken drew big applause from his supporters when he talked about the importance of abortion rights. In those deeply personal moments, the last person you need in the delivery room is Chuck Grassley, a constitutional lawyer and the federal government, a woman's right to choose. The most recent Iowa poll in the Des Moines Register showed Grassley leading by just three points, suggesting the closest race he's had in the Senate in 42 years. Democratic candidate for Governor Deidre DeGere is making her final pitch to Iowa voters with just a few days left until Election Day. IPR's Katerina Sestark reports from a campaign stop last night in Indianola. DeGere talked about her top priorities, including giving more funding to public schools, protecting abortion rights, and expanding mental health care access. But the role of government is to make sure that we go the distance for everybody because I firmly believe in life, liberty, and happiness and all Iowans having access to that. She says her opponent, Republican Governor Kim Reynolds, has been making policy that only benefits some Iowans. DeGere says Iowans deserve more. She continues to say that Iowa is worth the work, and she's urging her supporters to put in work to get her elected next week. Early voting is underway, and Election Day is November 8th. Top election law enforcement and cybersecurity officials in Iowa say they're preparing to protect Iowa's election system and voters as they go to the polls through next Tuesday. Stephen Bayans is Iowa's public safety commissioner. He says law enforcement teams are working to prevent any potential physical and digital threats. Bayan says the main issues they've seen so far in Iowa are related to false information about voting. Please also be mindful of scam artists claiming that you can register your ballot or vote online or over the phone. 
These fraudsters are attempting to either steal your personal information in order to gain access to your identity or trick you into believing you have already voted. Bayens and Iowa Secretary of State Paul Pate urged Iowans to not fall for mis- and disinformation. This is Here First. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Urban farmers that want to buy land often look to vacant lots. It seems like a win-win for the farmers and the city. The farmers get the land they need and can bring more food security to their neighborhoods, and the vacant lots are taken care of while the city gets more green space. But as Harvest Public Media's Eva Tesfai reports, urban farmers often struggle to get that land. Mediatrice Nyankuru moved to Kansas City seven years ago from East Africa. For the last several years, she's grown crops here that you might not normally see in the Midwest, like these African plants. Cassava leaves, muchicha, and white eggplant. Originally from Burundi, Nyankuru is part of a farm training program in Kansas City, Kansas, called New Roots for Refugees. It trains participants on farming methods and helps them establish their own businesses. Nyankuru recently graduated, and she's moving on to a piece of land she bought with another farmer. But it's not as big as she'd like. You see, my garden is still small. But the problem, too, is no water. The lack of water access and the inability to buy more land has kept them from moving off of the New Roots training farm. It's only supposed to be a four-year program. But program manager Semra Fetahovic says it's been increasingly difficult for their farmers to acquire land. So they end up staying longer. This year, we're actually leasing land to six graduates that can still rent land here. Next year, I think that number will be 10. For many of their farmers, it's been difficult to get a hold of the owners of vacant lots, who often live elsewhere. Even if they do get in touch, the owners may not want to sell. I think that's a really big frustration being in an urban setting is you just see so many vacant lots, yet the owners like don't want to let go of them. There's a multitude of private actors in that space, right? Likely some of whom are people holding on to it, hoping it goes up. Janelle O'Keefe is from the Center for Community Progress, a national nonprofit that helps cities deal with systemic vacancy. One of the ways that cities do that is by starting a land bank, a department that acquires vacant land and sells it. O'Keefe says farmers often have to deal with both land banks and private owners, as cities typically only own a portion of the vacant land. And land banks aren't always excited about selling those lots for farms and gardens. What we've seen through conversations and work we've done is the just the prevailing notion that the highest and best use of a property is something bricks and mortar. Detroit is a city that is known for having a lot of vacant land. Its land bank has about 60,000 vacant lots. Since a land bank was formed in 2008, it's been a little easier to buy property. That's according to Tafira Rushton. She's the co-founder of Detroit Black Farmer Land Fund. We've come a long way and we have we have a ways to go. Rushton says before the land bank, there were lots of different entities that owned vacant land and no clear process on how to buy it. But even with the Detroit Land Bank Authority, she says the city still doesn't prioritize urban gardening. It's a secondary priority, not even a secondary. It's like a cute thing that people are doing in their eyes. Rushton believes that land access would get easier if cities just recognize the value of urban farms. 
A land bank spokesperson said their goal is to return these properties to productive use. Back in Kansas City, Kansas, the land bank only sold one property to an urban farm in the past two years. It prioritizes single-family housing. Andrew Davis is a commissioner for the Unified Government of Wyandotte County in Kansas City, Kansas. I don't think we have to choose. Davis says the land bank is in the process of changing its policies, and he thinks there's enough land to go around. I think there's a way in which we can uh, see, uh, um, you know, gardens and farmers thrive in KCK, all while still having that aggressive uh, movement for single-family homes. But he also says many of his colleagues don't agree, especially because houses generate more property taxes than gardens. Urban farmers argue they bring their own value to neighborhoods with productive green spaces and healthy food. For Harvest Public Media, I'm Eva Tesfai. Harvest Public Media is a collaboration of public media newsrooms in the Midwest and Great Plains, including Iowa Public Radio. It reports on food systems, agriculture, and rural issues. Follow Harvest on Twitter at HarvestPM.